Hello again, everybody. This is Brother Chooch for Thinking Out Loud About the End Times. This is Night Watch, a late night fellowship for those who are watching and awaiting the soon return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who will pull us out of this tumbler of toxins and into the clouds, where we will see him for the first time and be changed. And then he will take us to the place that he's been preparing for us for about 2,000 years. And we will be with him forevermore. Thank you so much for tuning in. I realize that your time is valuable, so a heartfelt apology that I didn't start at 10 and started 10.30 or 10.40, more like it, Eastern Standard Time. So thanks for being a trooper, and I hope that it was worth the wait. As the days seem to be growing darker and the signs seem to be increasing. Now, I don't know what tomorrow brings. All I can kind of look at is what today showed us and what the past has shown us. And as far as I'm concerned, in my subjective opinion, things have continued to go towards the very thing that we talk about all the time, the tribulation period and the time of Jacob's trouble. And prior to that, I strongly believe, based on biblical evidences, that the rapture of the church occurs prior to the time of Jacob's trouble. So as we see the signs we know that the tribulation period is near. And if the tribulation period is near, then we know that the rapture is nearer. And so let me just start off tonight before we get into some of the news that's going on, which I believe is pointing um, very loudly or very clearly, almost with neon flashing lights that were in that time, in that time where the rapture could happen at any second and the tribulation period could commence. But let me start by saying the one thing I'm sure of, because when we talk about end time situations, possibilities, scenarios, it's speculative. But there's nothing speculative about we are all sinners. And so if you're viewing into tonight at TOL End Times, you are looking at, you are listening to, or you are watching a wretched man. A wretched sinner. That's who's broadcasting tonight. I am a sinner. I fall short of the glory of God. And I was, past tense, heading towards punishment from a holy God to be banished from him forevermore. That's where I was headed, whether I knew it or not. And the good news for me and the good news for many people who are on tonight and the good news possibly for you if you haven't done this yet is that there was a way of escape that was made for us by Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. 
it's an amazing story. It's actually the greatest story ever told, is that God himself came down from heaven and took on flesh and lived amongst us, the Son of God. We call him Jesus. And Jesus lived in such a way that no one has ever been able to do, and no one will ever be able to do, is he lived a life void of sin. And he was completely obedient and pleasing to his Father. God the Father. God the Son obeyed and pleased God the Father. And God the Father sent the Son on a rescue mission. It is written that the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost, i.e. me, i.e. you. So Jesus comes down from glory, from a place where the angels just fall down and worship him 24-7, where his glory illuminates the heavens. The one who spoke the universe into existence with his words. He came down to heaven and took the most lowliest of positions, even being born in a place, not where humans dwell, but where the animals are kept. And when his mom, his earthly mom, wrapped him up in swaddling clothes, she didn't have a crib, she didn't have a stroller, she didn't have a bed. She laid him down on a, a trough and where animals feed. We call it a manger. And so, one who is so glorious took the most humble humble of positions and lived that way for his entire life. <clears throat> Foxes have holes, birds have nests, the Son of Man doesn't have a place to lay his head. Basically homeless. So he lives his life teaching us incredible truths and lessons, but he didn't come just for that. If he just came down to teach us some incredible truths and lessons and about insights on God and God the Father. But he was on a mission to be our sacrifice. And that's what he did. Ultimately, when we stop and think about it, when we ask the question, who crucified Jesus? Some people say, well, the Jews did. Some will say the Romans did. The truth of the matter is our sin did. He could have got out got out of it if he wanted to. Even Pontius Pilate said, do you not know that I have the power to crucify you? And Jesus said, you wouldn't have the power unless my Father in heaven gave you it. Jesus very easily could have gotten out of being crucified, but he didn't. He was silent as a lamb before his shearers. And he willfully went to the cross, despising the shame 
but he did it and endured the cross for the joy that was set before him, which was, I believe, dying on our behalf to save us from our sins. So there he laid naked on a cross after being brutally whipped and his beard plucked and humiliated, naked, mocked, spit upon, scorned, belittled, slapped, crowned with a thorn, uh, a crown of thorns. And to hear the, the, Jesus, who, who was meek, which means he, he had power. Meekness means, does not mean weakness. Meekness means a person who has power and chooses to hold back that power. So Jesus was meek. And when they mocked him, he says, he saved others. Why doesn't he save himself? Come down from the cross, then we'll believe you. And he stayed there. And not only did he stay there, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That's love. That's incredible mercy and grace. So Jesus took on upon his shoulders the sin of the world. And the skies darkened. I believe God the Father had to turn away. When The moment when all the sin fell upon the Son, he had to turn away. And Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And you know what? Jesus promises never to leave nor forsake us. Yet the son, maybe for a moment, the father had to turn away. The, the bond and eternal union of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, um, perhaps for a moment in time, um, the Father had to turn away because he who knew no sin became sin for us. And that beautiful, perfect Lamb of God, our Passover Lamb, breathed his last breath and he said something quite interesting. Okay, he said, it is finished. You know what that means? The work on the cross that he did is all that needed to be done. So don't let anybody convince you or tell you or deceive you that you need more than Jesus dying on the cross. Because that sacrifice was sufficient for our sins. That what he did on the cross was the propitiation of our sin. It satisfied the wrath of God. Satisfied the wrath of God. That wrath of God was targeted on you and on me for our sin and our rebellion and our unrighteousness. It's like like somebody somebody with that red laser beam, you know, has got it on your forehead. A sharpshooter and Jesus goes in front of you purposefully 
and takes the shot on your behalf. Because that wrath was targeted for us. And little do people know that the wrath of God has been stored up for centuries and it's about to be released in the tribulation period. And by the way, the wrath of God gets unleashed in the very first seal. Don't let anyone convince you otherwise that the wrath of God somehow comes later in the tribulation period. The wrath of the Lamb, the one who opens up the seals, is Jesus. Okay? So he takes, he takes that sin and he sheds his blood. That's the key, guys. He sheds his blood. It says that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Jesus wasn't hanged for a reason. Jesus wasn't electric, went to the electric chair. The per, Actually, the perfect capital punishment at the time that the Romans had uh, for, for the proper sacrifice of Jesus was the crucifixion. There the Son of Man hung between heaven and earth, between God and man. And he shed his blood, which is necessary for sacrifice and a covenant, by the way, on our behalf. And that partition that was there since Adam and Eve, remember the partition that happened when they were expelled from the garden and God put an angel with a flaming sword going back and forth? That was... The partition because of Adam and Eve's sin. No longer could Adam or Eve or anybody have access to the tree of life and to fellowship with God. And Jesus tore that partition down. In fact, that very thick curtain, that very thick veil, if you will, in the temple that separated the holy place from the most holy place was torn from top to bottom, symbolizing that now we have access to the Father. And you know, they took a spear. Usually they break the bones or the leg bones of criminals that hung on the cross to expedite the crucifixion process because you need to pull yourself up to get a breath. Um, Jesus died quicker than they expected, I guess, and there was no need to break his bones, which fulfilled an Old Testament prophecy that not a bone would be broken. So that then itself was an incredible fulfilled prophecy. I mean, there was many significant prophecies that were fulfilled in Jesus' lifetime and at the crucifixion. But instead, to assure that he was dead, they drove a spear in his side that obviously punctured his heart chamber. And when you die, water and blood separates, and that's what gushed out of his side, water and blood. It, the water and blood were not, no longer mixed, like it normally is when you're alive. So he was dead. He wasn't swooning or whatever they call that, whatever some scientists try to concoct to try to 
uh, discredit his death. He died. He physically died, and he was in the grave for three days. But on the third day, something incredible happened. In fact, if Jesus didn't rise from the grave, our faith would be in vain, and we would be more pitied than anyone. He rose from the grave. It, they, they sealed the grave. They had guards there. Nothing was going to stop him from rising again. And folks, we need to place our faith in who he is and what he did. That act of dying on the cross, shedding his blood, and rising from the grave saves us from our sin. And so on this channel, we talk about the gospel, but we also talk about the end times because the Bible really is replete with end time prophecies about his second coming and about what's going to happen before the second coming and the rapture, what he's going to do with the nation of Israel and the millennial reign. It even speaks about eternity. So let's talk about the news, okay? Now, the reason why I want to talk a little bit about the news is because, now again, this doesn't necessarily mean that the rapture is going to happen this weekend. I hope it does. But I really believe that this has some significance because I believe that there needs to be an economic collapse. And we're starting to see the, the tremors, I guess, before the big economic earthquake hits. Okay, let me just read this article. And again, I got this from my good brother, uh, Bro Keeks, Keegan Fernandez, who is a watchman for Watchmen, right? So he, he relays news to us because he's really good at it, and we're some, some of us are a little bit on the lazy side and, and don't get the news that quickly. But this is from the street. So it's, a, it's an economic uh, article about economics. And it says, two U.S. banks collapse in 48 hours. Which one's next? Silvergate served the cryptocurrency industry. And SVB was the bank for Silicon Valley tech startups. Okay, So within two days, we had two banks collapse. One focused on cryptocurrency and one focused on helping tech startups. Okay, so it's a black week for the American financial system. In just 48 hours, the banking sector has been shaken by the collapse of two major banks. Most worrying is that these banks serve two so-called growth economic sectors, the tech sector and cryptocurrency industry. Most worrying is that these banks, um, just read that, SVB Financial Group, the lender to Silicon Valley startups, failed on March 10th, falling into the hands of the FDIC. The federal agency has taken control of the banking company, reviving the ghosts of the 2008 financial crisis. Silicon Valley Bank, Santa Clara, California, was closed today. 
by the California Department of Financial Protection and Innovation, which appointed the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation as receiver. The federal agency said in a news release, all insured depositors will have full access to their insured deposits no later than Monday morning, March 13, 2023. The FDIC will pay uninsured depositors an advanced dividend within the next week. Uninsured depositors will receive a receivership certificate for the remaining amount of their uninsured funds. And then the article goes on to say, uh, SVP, the to-go bank for tech startups, at the end of the end of last year, SVP had 209 billion in total assets and 175 billion in total deposits. SVP became becomes the second biggest failure of a U.S. bank after Washington Mutual in 2008. SVP. B was a central player in the innovation economy. It was the backbone of the tech industry in Silicon Valley. It played an important role in the startup ecosystem by providing specialized financial services, industry expertise, a valuable network, and a strong reputation. This also offered a range of financial services tailored specifically to the needs of startups, such as venture debt, corporate banking, and asset management. These services are designed to help startups manage their finances and optimize their cash flow. SVP suffered from the rise in interest rate from the Federal Reserve because it hurts the value of its investment assets, especially bonds. As a result, the bank had to report to a capital raise as many startups withdrew their deposits from the bank since they were burning a lot of cash. SVP had to sell bonds, primarily U.S. Treasury securities, at a discount to cover these withdrawals. The rise in interest rates has made existing bonds less valuable. In selling these bonds positions, SVP had to take a significant loss, and it's a, but its attempt to raise $2.25 billion failed. Whew. Wow. So they're scrambling to try to cover all the withdrawals and it couldn't do it in time. Crypto bank Silvergate collapsed two days earlier. Silvergate, the crypto bank, collapsed. The bank was where most of the big crypto firms went because traditional banks did not want to do business with them. And that reluctance stemmed from uh, warnings from regulators who consider the crypto industry a risky sector. The company said on March 8th that it intended to wind down operations and voluntarily liquidate the bank in an orderly manner and in accordance with applicable regulatory processes. In, it added, in light of recent industry and regulatory development, Silvergate believes that an orderly wind down of bank operations and a voluntary liquidation of the bank is its best path forward. The bank's wind down and liquidation plan included full repayment of all deposits. The company is also considering how best to resolve the claims and preserve the residual value of its assets, including its proprietary technology and tax, and tax assets. Wow. So I'm not going to read any more of this article, but that's like a one-two punch right there. In the span of 48 hours, these two banks go belly up and 
the question now is, and the next week should be very, very interesting. The question now is, is this going to start a domino effect with other banks, other cryptocurrencies, or with the general feel and confidence that the public has with their uh, finances in, in various institutions where they're deposited and invested in. See, what most banks tend to do is um, they take your money and they don't put it in a, a safe. They take your deposit money and they invest it in something else, either loans or bonds or stocks or, or something to try to make money. But when there's a run on banks and people are gaining uh, a bit of worry or anxiety because they might catch some news that this bank might be um, in trouble, when there's a run on banks, banks can't sometimes cover. And then they get to these sort of positions. And so if you think that these two banks are the only banks that could be in trouble, then you're not looking at this properly because if everyone made a run to the bank to try to pull their money out, a lot of banks would be in trouble and a lot of banks won't be able to cover. So if there's a run on banks on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, next week, or whatever, some more banks might go belly up, which might increase um, people who have money deposited to get more anxious and, and get to their banks. And so we could have a, a crisis. Now that's probably worst case scenario. Best case scenario would be that, uh, you know, I think that's why the uh, FIDC, if I'm saying it correctly, um, is, is very vocal here to try to give people confidence that your, your money is, is okay and safe. But the FDIC, I don't think it handle everyone's accounts. I, I, don't, I don't see how that's happening. So if this causes a domino effect, the, the, it's going to be ugly. It's going to be ugly. I mean, it's, I think it's already going to be trouble. But it, it, it has the potential to be absolutely an economic tsunami of a disaster not only in the United States, United States, but worldwide. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm not telling you to take your money out and stuff your mattress. I'm not telling you to go out and buy gold and silver. But as watchers, we have to take a look and strongly consider what's going on. Okay? what's going on so that's that's one thing that I wanted I wanted to touch base on for sure because I think that that's highly significant so that's probably going to rattle the global markets too so 
the stock exchange had a very bad week. Uh, this might be nothing. We'll see what the stock market does next week. The stock market very well could go belly up. I mean, not belly up, but, you know, have a crash or have some wild swings. Um, is this all leading to changing over to a digital currency? Perhaps. I wouldn't be surprised if this has been sort of a setup. I don't trust what's going on behind the scenes, but it's it's quite possible. We, I think it's safe to say that we're in a recession. Perhaps on the doorstep of a depression. And there's other things too, let me just mention, that again is in the news that can trigger an ex economic collapse, and that would be more war. Okay? If China invades Taiwan, if NATO and gets more involved and now becomes a sort of World War III, or maybe World War III situation, Israel attacking Iran, or a war in the Middle East, all those things are capable of creating more turbulence in the world world economics right so everything's sort of interconnected interlocked and that's the world that we live in you know it's we live on a grid so when and if the grid goes down everyone under the grid will suffer. So we have to realize that we, we really live sort of in a world that's like a house of cards. You take one card away and the whole house of cards could come flying down, crashing down. Other news, okay, is the red heifers. And this might be good news for those who are watching, is that if you have been tuning in and following the red heifers, we, without getting into a long explanation, but the ashes of a one red heifer needs to be obtained in order for the temple to be rebuilt and the sacrifice to continue according to scripture and uh, rabbinical tradition. I'm going to read this article that came from the Temple Institute, it's an update. The Red Heifers. This coming Sabbath, we read the third of four special additional Torah readings read during the month of Adar in anticipation of the upcoming holiday of Passover. Parashat Para, Numbers 19, verses 1 to 22, presents the Chalk statute of the red heifer, Para Aduma. This serves as a reminder that the ashes of the red heifer are needed for the purification of Passover pilgrims on their way to the holy temple with their Passover offerings. Now, I want you to just keep note of that part that I just said. All right. 
the five candidates of the red heifers greeted at Ben Gurion Airport last summer are healthy and thriving. Now, last summer, there were five viable red heifers that qualified as kosher red heifers. That means at that time were qualified to be a candidate to be sacrificed. They were flown by air from Texas. They were purchased by the Temple Institute, flown from Texas to Israel. And it was just mind-blowing that there was actually five candidates. Here we are several months later. And all five of these red heifers are healthy. But listen to this. Unfortunately, one of the five has gone grown some non-red hair and is therefore disqualified from becoming the red heifer capable of delivering the long-awaited ashes. However, the remaining four are still viable candidates. These recent photos, which I have on the little uh, picture there for this video, these recently taken photos show the healthy, happy, and growing red heifers. So that's interesting and really good news for those who are watching because we believe that we're at a place where the temple's going to go up soon. And perhaps God himself is allowing these red heifers to be available so that things continue to go forward in that area of end time prophecy. And I think it's pretty remarkable because I've seen this happen where there were viable red heifers that were almost made it to that time where they could be sacrificed and then they developed white hairs. And it was quite a letdown. But to have four viable candidates this late in the game, and these red heifers, I believe, will be ready by, if they're not already ready, sometime this year. Now notice the article talked about Passover. It says here that red heifers, the ashes of the red heifers, are needed for the purification of Passover pilgrims on their way to the Holy Temple with their Passover offerings. So are they insinuating that they want to get the ashes of this red heifer in play for this coming Passover? I just noticed that there's a poopy in this picture. Ugh. Okay, so they show a picture of these four red heifers and I just noticed heifer poopy. It's kind of in front of the second heifer from the left on the hay. And, you know, I wish they cleaned that up before they took that picture, but it is what it is. Sorry about that, going on a tangent. It just kind of takes away from the picture. I know they're cows and everything, but, I mean, could you, I mean, you know when you get a picture taken of yourself, you kind of don't want your stool in the background. So anyways, 
you have hmm. could they be insinuating that these heifers are going to be one of the heifers are going to be sacrificed for this coming Passover or would it be Passover in 2024 I really don't know we don't know but it's it's just interesting that they put that in there okay there's some other articles here I'm just going to read some headlines for you this is um, again bro Keeks gives us some interesting articles one headline reads is Israel ready for war with Hamas Israel confronts the Iran threat Israel to strike Iran's nuclear sites perhaps Hamas warns against Ben Gavir's orders to continue demolishing Palestinian homes during Ramadan. And with Ramadan coming up, it certainly could be a time where there is a lot of tension and friction between um, the neighboring Islamic countries and Israel. It's possible. Um, three Islamic Jihad gunmen killed by undercover forces in Northern West Bank. See, these are the sort of things that could start missiles flying back and forth. And yet, while that's going on, it says Israel's engaging four Muslim nations to expand Abraham Accords. When they say peace and safety, right? The Abraham Accords supposed to really, it's like a, a peace treaty. When they say peace and safety. So it, we got to keep in mind, Iran, Iran is getting, is gearing up to attack Britain and the West, really. Iran sent Russia over 100 million rounds of ammo. Plans to send more. Jerusalem Post. Whew. Hamas refuses to agree to calm. Threatens new escalation. I mean, these headlines, it's just... It just continues to point to things are heating up in several areas that have to do with the end times. And so we have to keep an eye out on this. This is um, really high watch time. And <clears throat> excuse me, and even while that's going on, you still have train derailments, all sorts of things that are happening where you say, Wow, what, what's the coincidence of all this occurring? Chemical events, train derailments. And I'm sure there's going to be a continuation of talk about UFOs, UFO sightings, and everything else. 
and while the world continues to circle the toilet with immorality. <clears throat> that Brazilian festival where they mocked the Lord with um, somebody dressed as a devil or a demon terrorizing the person dressed up as Jesus. And then Brazil, a few days later, gets nailed with flooding and people died from it. I mean, these, these are the sort of headlines that I believe are pointing to he's coming back. He's coming back. He's coming back. Now, I don't know when he's coming back. Things could continue to go crazy. Things could continue to go bad. Maybe things are going to continue like this till 2024 and we get raptured in 2024. <clears throat> Maybe things are going to keep getting worse and worse. And then we get raptured in 2025 or 2026. I don't know. I don't believe it could get all that much worse than it has gone. I'm not here to debate when it's going to be, but I believe that these headlines, along with other headlines, are pointing to we're getting closer and closer and closer and closer and closer to the tribulation period and the rapture of the church. So, I think the I think a real significant one is the banks, those banks going belly up. I think that's very significant. We got to wait and see. It could it could be where I don't know. I don't know how the government could intervene. We've got so much debt. Um, if we <clears throat> we we the United States if the United States defaults on their debt, world's in big trouble. may be a big, 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 big problem. And we know Biden, he likes to spend money, especially in and over tons of our money to the Ukraine. And so think about this. You owe money for your electric bill and they're threatening to shut you off. And you're instead of paying your electric bill you're sending money over to a friend um, who's filing for divorce that's sort of like what our country's doing they're we're sending boatloads of cash and money over to ukraine military supplies while we're drowning in debt and we have a homelessness problem we have inflationary problems we have all sorts of issues in our country and we're just printing money and sending it overseas i mean it's lunacy i actually think jimmy carter is I, I'm not sure how much longer Jimmy Carter is going to live, but if Jimmy Carter served one term, he wasn't noted as being a good president. 
and I was just a, a baby when Jimmy Carter was in office. This may be, and I, I know he's he's probably being ruled by other people behind the scenes, but th this this guy has got to be the worst president I've I've ever lived under. Sorry if you're a Biden follower or you like Biden. This this guy has got to be, you know, I, I pray he gets saved or something because it, it's, it's, it almost seems like he's intentionally trying to bury the nation. So let me end before I get on my soapbox. Guys, thanks for tuning in. Keep watching, keep praying, keep reading your Bible, stay in fellowship with each other, and I hope to see you here, there, but especially in the air. God bless.